but I do want to say a happy Mother's Day. And I do that without apology. We don't do that with hesitation. We are here once again at another Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day of 2019. And believe it or not, as time flies, this is my fifth Mother's Day with my church family that is Calvary Baptist. And over the years, we've looked at motherhood in all kinds of different ways. One year, I talked about the power of a mother's prayer. There was another time I talked about how moms display the power of the gospel. And another time, I talked about how God loves moms and blesses them in a special way. Yet, one of the most amazing ways to stand back and actually see womanhood or motherhood is trying to actually look at it from the point of view of God himself. After all, God created woman. Amen? He created woman in his image. And I want to list some of the ways that you as ladies here this morning, you as women, you as daughters of God are not only created by God, but you are cared for by God. Let me just give you a list here. You are created, women are created by God in his image. That's Genesis, that he created both male and female in his image. I want to remind you, ladies, that women are in need of God just like men. This is something we share in common in our humanity. Women are called to respond to God. From Genesis to Revelation, you are given all kinds of examples of God coming to women and God calling them to respond to Him. Paul tells us in Romans that women are joint heirs with Christ. It's not just men, it's men and women. We get to rule and reign with Christ because women will reign with Christ. And you will read about that in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. Women are called to know Christ in Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, and Ephesians. Believe it or not, in Matthew, women are commissioned to make disciples for Christ. Next, Corinthians tells us that women are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you realize this, but even in the book of Acts, when we talk about the 120 that were in that upper room and they were praying, it wasn't just the disciples. There was 120 men and women there, and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 to 14 that women are part of the body of Christ. And then in Philippians or Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians, women are called to exhort one another and uh, the body of Christ, encourage and admonish and teach in the body of Christ. These are all the ways and means that God shows his love and his care and his priority on women. But there's no doubt that the Bible uses the language of God as Father overwhelmingly. And nowhere is that more abundantly clear than when you just go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, what we often call the Lord's Prayer because Jesus himself says, pray then like this, our Father. And yet, that is what I think oftentimes leads to confusion for us in our churches and even how we talk to the world. Of all the things I have seen in my lifetime as a Christian, both from a male perspective and then as being a pastor, the things that I've experienced, the questions that I get asked the most than anything else in the church is the difference between value and function. Value and function. And I think that's vitally important for us to get in our churches today. For we now live in an age, the 21st century. It has been coined as the postmodern age, where truth is relative. We live in an age where sex is seen as fluid. And what I mean by that is gender. 
We now live in these competing forces. Is gender biology or psychology? Because now that's up for debate. What makes a woman a woman? Both physically, emotionally, intellectually. What makes a man a man? And now we also live in this ultra-politically correct, I don't want to offend anyone culture, and I find it hilarious both tragically and ironically because in our politically correct world to try and not offend anybody, according to Twitter anyway, everybody's offended. So as much as we tried not to offend everybody, everybody now seems offended. And that's true even of celebrating Mother's Day. Mother's Day itself in church, if you can believe it, can be controversial and even offensive. I I am friends with a lot of different people on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and these types of things, and you would not believe how many posts I read this past week on Facebook and Twitter of churches or pastors telling the world why they will or why they will not be focusing, mentioning, or talking about Mom's or Mother's Day. And both sides believe that they are fully right in what they're doing. After all, not all women are mothers. Believe it or not, some women don't want to be mothers. Others, maybe even in this room, have struggled to be moms or at this point haven't been able to be a mom. Some of you, maybe in this room, and others that maybe you know have felt or experienced the horrible evils of this world And feel that they were forced to be moms against their will. Then there are the single ladies of our church and our society. There are the women as well that have lost a child or have lost children. And maybe for them, the very thought of motherhood is not only painful and hard to face, much less the suggestion that we celebrate it on a particular Sunday. And then there is the fact that at church, just like in I'm looking at you, there are men and women and young people and older people and seniors and visitors. And some will say church is all about God and Christ and the gospel, not about following the holidays of the calendar. But I just want to give you the other side of this. Because as my friends and as my family, and if you're here as a visitor, I want you to know something very profound. The church is supposed to be the place where political correctness for the sake of never daring to offend anyone is rejected, and what's on display is compassionate, long-suffering, where selflessness outshines selfishness. Paul told the Romans to weep with those who weep. And I think we get that pretty good as Christians. We know we're to be compassionate and tender. We're to weep with those who weep. But did you know that the Bible in that same chapter also says we're to rejoice with those who rejoice? Paul says we're to outdo one another in showing honor. He even goes so far to say we're to owe nothing to anyone but love. And that's all found in Romans chapter 12, which by the way begins like this. I appeal to you brothers by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and that's your reasonable spiritual worship. And here's the reason you do this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. That's being in the Word of God. And this is what results, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Notice, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that's why I am very happy that the tradition of Calvary Baptist before I came and while I've been here is that we will focus on Mother's Day without apology. 
And that is not, my friends, to give more value to a certain group of women of our church. That's simply to honor a certain group of women in our church. It's to rejoice with them and even, for some moms here today, to weep with them and pray with them and be patient. It's to example to our whole church the need to learn from each other and to show you all how we apply the Word of God, how we see the example of Christ and the power of a gospel to every area of our life. And so at this church, throughout the year, we will focus on children, we'll focus on men, on women, fatherhood, motherhood, singleness. You're going to hear sermons about relationships and even sexuality or money or heaven and hell. And by the way, we believe in heaven and hell. We believe that people are in heaven and hell and they are there for eternity. We'll walk so slowly and purposefully and expectantly through every part of the Bible because we believe that the Bible and the Bible alone is our final and trustworthy authority of God. It's our final and trustworthy authority of life. Not only that how to live this life, but how to be ready for eternity. And so it's with that in mind, which was a rather large introduction, that I want all of us to think about motherhood today and what the Bible says about it. And on this Mother's Day, I want us to show us how the Bible gives many references to God with mother-like qualities to talk about himself. Now, of course, when we do this, I'm not applying gender to God. I'm not trying to argue that God is woman, which has been tried to be argued in the last little while. Because you need to realize that the Bible uses these metaphors not to assign a gender to God, but rather to help us comprehend God better. You need to realize God is infinite. You're never going to come to the end of God. Yet amazingly, God in His mercy and grace displays Himself. He shows Himself to you and I here today. First of all, in general revelation. Many of you in this church have told me how you love to discover God through general revelation. That means creation. Many of you love to camp. Some of you have got cottages. Some of you love to go on hikes within nature. Some of you love to just do things. Some of you love to do things with creation that I don't get. All right? Walking for prolonged periods of time till your feet bleed is not fun to me. All right? Sleeping in a tent in Newfoundland over the May 24th weekend on rocks is not fun to me. But some of you see God in that. Bless you. Just don't invite me. (laughs) For me, I see God at the corner penthouse room of the Ramada. And I love to look out the window at his creation. All right? I love to see God in the comfort of a nearly plush bed. All right? But we do. We see God in creation. That's why Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created. God created. That's the general revelation of God. You can read all about it in Psalm 19. But the reason we gather as a church, the reason we love our Bible so much is because your Bible is the special revelation of God. And you can also read about that in Psalm 19. The Bible is where we learn of who God is. The Bible for you young people is to learn why God created you. It's where you learn of who you are. If you want to know what's wrong with the world, you read the Word of God. If you want to know how the world came to be or how did this wrong happen in the world, you turn to the Word of God. If you want to know what God has done and is doing to bring back the glories of His creation, you turn to the Word of God. And as I stated earlier, I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't overwhelmingly use father references to God. And He doesn't do that because men are better. 
He doesn't do that because God is male. He doesn't do that because women are less. It's simply the metaphor that explains the function of God the Father for us. Yet, God created us all, men and women, in His image. And God also uses mother metaphors to describe Himself, and that's my focus for today. So let me read 1 John chapter 1, chapter, sorry, 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 to 24. And while I do that, and you're going to hear and see all these words about love and relationship. I want you to consider how moms can and so often do reflect God. And I hope that by the end of our little time together on this pre-time to go out and celebrate your moms, that you'll be able to leave here with one incredibly massive concept and one incredible challenge. The concept that I want mom and indeed everybody here to leave with is this. You are called, every one of us, to reflect God, but you cannot be God. Everybody in this room is called to reflect God, but none of us can be God. And the principle that I want everybody to leave here with is this. Are you moms and all of us here today reflecting God while also looking to Him for what only He can do? So the concept I want you to get is we're all supposed to be reflectors of God, but not one of you can be God. The challenge is, while we're reflecting God, are we still only looking to Him for what He can do? So listen to the Word of the Lord. Here's what John the Apostle says, and he's writing to these people, these believers, and he says in verse 18, little children, again, you notice these metaphors, let us not love, not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Once again, you see with John, right? Love and truth, never, ever, not together. Love and truth, love and truth. And he says, if you do, verse 18, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him, God. For whenever our heart condemns us, and if you write in your Bible, if you have the emotional ups and downs that I have, make sure you go to this verse a lot in your lifetime. Because whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. We are emotional beings, but our emotions are scarred by sin. And sometimes, folks, listen, when you hear things like trust your heart, (laughs) no, you shouldn't trust your heart, trust God's word, okay? Because sometimes our heart condemns us. Verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. And I hope you see that. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So I want to very quickly give you four ways that moms reflect God. How can you, mom, reflect God? And from that, everybody in this room learns something about this. Number one, moms, you reflect God in how you love. Moms reflect God in how they love. You saw that in the passage. Now, I want you to think about all the cliches, the stuff that you and I do in life that we just roll over, we assimilate things we grew up hearing. Uh, On the negative one, how many of you have ever heard this? Man, he only or she only has a face a mother could love. Have you not heard that expression? Even if it's a a bit shady, right, when people say that. But why do we say that? Because we instantly understand that moms love the faces of their children. 
It doesn't matter if it's not your baby, if it's not your child. We may look at it and have this, but don't. I have never met the mother that has not looked in the face of her child and not loved what she saw. That's a reflection of motherhood. It's a reflection of God. Someone once wrote about his mother, You loved me before seeing me. You love me in all my mistakes. You love me no matter what I look like. You just love me. How many times have you heard about a mother's love? How many, have you heard, how many times have you heard about mother hen or a mother goose? All these little expressions we have. And I have to tell you, man, I love you, but no man will ever be able to comprehend the depth of what we call maternal love. Maternal love. The reason? Because our gender is males. We can't give birth, no matter what science today wants to tell you. We can't. We can watch birth. We can maybe assist in the process of giving birth, and some of us faint doing that. But that isn't even close to the experience of giving life. Nor do men by nature love like a woman does. That's why we have this thing that women have this maternal instinct. And I believe it was put in them by God for His glory so that it reflects Him. So whether women by natural birth or adoption or by caring, no matter what, why do women simply care for children better than men do? Now, again, listen to me. I'm not saying men don't care about their kids or that men don't care for kids. I'm not saying you can't find illustrations of men that have cared for and even had to play the role of mom in people's lives. But as a friend once said to me, don't make the exception to the rule the rule. Why does it seem that far and away women have that maternal instinct so much more naturally than men do? And I would say because it's put there. Women never give up on their kids. Have you noticed that? They never do. They stand by their kids through good and bad, up and down, thick and thin. And God's love is like a mother's love. God can fully understand this maternal instinct and intuition because, as one pastor says, God does give life. He created all of it and out of love gives life to all who comes to him by faith in his son, Jesus Christ. God has the same inseparable bond which forms between mother and child. I don't know if you realize how much of your Bible is filled with this. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 18, God reminds the nation of Israel that he gave birth to them. He said, you were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. And then in the New Testament, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus had come to Jesus at night. And what did he say to him? That verily, verily, I send you, you cannot come to God unless a man or a woman is born again. And that's why John said what he did in John chapter 1, remember? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Why? Who were born, notice that, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So moms, when you love with that maternal, instinctive, motherly love, you're reflecting God. A similar form bond reforms between God and every human being because God bore you in love. I want everybody here to understand that God stands ready to make you alive for the very first time through his reaffirming love, regardless of what you've done. Mothers, you reflect God's love. It's that reassuring, reaffirming, never-ending love. And that is why when we hear that a mother rejects a child, when you read those articles and you hear about a mother who abandons her child, who rejects her child, even the world and all of its chaos today is shocked and says, that's not normal. 
That's not normal. Because God tells us he'll not do that either. The prophet Isaiah quoting God to the nation of Israel in Isaiah 66 said, Behold, I will expend, extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse You shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees as one whom his mother comforts. So God says, I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Do you see the way God identifies himself with motherhood? And then, I don't know if there could be a greater metaphor of the mother love reflecting God's love than Isaiah 49, 15, where again God says, can a woman forget her nursing child? that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. And so here's God now saying, look, is it, you know how un- unnatural it would be for a woman to forget her child? And even if one did, notice he says, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. You see, moms, what a legacy you have and can have. And friends here this morning, do you see how God wants us to learn of his love for you? Did you notice in that reference, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands? This was what Isaiah said. Is it any wonder that centuries, millennia later, Jesus would be nailed to a cross to bear our sin, yours and mine, so that we could know the love of God. And so you could see it. And when you know this and believe it and trust it, then you can see our next mother instinct. For secondly, moms... Moms reflect God in how they protect. Moms reflect God not only in how they love, but moms reflect God in how they protect. Again, let me give you expressions. Have you heard this? Don't ever mess with mother bear. Don't ever come between a mother and her cubs. Have you heard about that? Have you ever heard this one? She's a tiger mom. She's a tiger mom. You see, we see and know that moms protect their children. You can read about it in the news almost every day of the way mothers have protected, sheltered, cuddled, soothed their children. The door slams and the kids get home from school and what's the first thing you hear? Mom! They very rarely yell, Dad. It's Mom. Are you here, Mom? When a child is afraid. Mommy! When you're hurt. Mom! I once saw a child that fell off a bike, didn't cry, ran home, made sure she was in earshot of mom, then started to cry and yelled, Mom. (laughs) Even dads have to deal with those of you that now have kids in athletics. You take your kids to the hockey rink or the soccer field. You train them. You do things. You spill stuff in the backyard. And if you're one of the fortunate ones where your kids actually make it to some sort of collegiate level or professional or semi-pro level, and the first time they do something, and they stick that camera in front of that kid's face, and what's the first thing he or she does? Hi, Mom! And Dad is like an afterthought. You see that? Because moms protect their kids. I don't know if there's any rage like that of a mother's rage. Where does this instinct come from? Well, David must have had this in mind. In in Psalm chapter 17, verse 8, he must have had his mom in mind when he said to God, keep me as the apple of your eye. Now notice, hide me under the shadow of your wings. Now catch this metaphor. Later in Psalm 57, 1, he says, I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings. In Psalm 94, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall find refuge. Now, Jesus takes that on when you jump to the New Testament. On his way to the cross, in Matthew 23, Jesus would say, O Jerusalem, 
Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together. Now notice, as a hen gathers her brood or brought under her wings, and you were not willing. He identifies with a mother hen. He identifies with all these passages in Psalms. And notice the kind of unconditional love. Knowing full well they had done wrong. Knowing full well that they even at times had rejected it. He's still there saying, I'm going to love you the way you know mother's love. And I read in 1 John chapter 3, if you notice in that passage, it deals with this theme of assurance. Because you see, no matter what or how firmly grounded you are as a Christian, no matter how long any of you have been a Christian in this room, I know that everyone in here at some time has needed the assurance of your relationship with God. Where your heart felt, am I saved? Does God love me? To know that you're protected. To know that it's safe. To know that God is there. As I said earlier, when a child is hurt or frightened, who does that child call for or run to? Usually, mom. It's somehow, it seems, that the calm, consoling voice of a mother has a way of chasing the ghosts away that are in the closet or under the bed making the pain go away. I've watched this in our home again anew with Theo and Piper, and although I love being a grandfather, when Theo is really upset or Piper's really upset, Brandon does his thing, I do mine, but no one calms them down like Stacy and Debbie. They just do it better. than. And I'm doing all the same things. I'm singing lullabies in their ears. I'm going, shh, I'm going, Grampy loves you. And they're just like, give me to the woman of the house. All right? That's just a mother's ability. But do you know, Mom, you reflect the comfort and protection of God when you do that. Friends, this is why Jesus tells in his word, Lo, I am with you always. God's always with you like your mom is. God is there, present and responsive to your hurts, your fears, and your needs. And if you call upon him, he'll answer with his reassuring voice. That's what you read about in 1 John 3. God is able to save us even when we don't feel saved. Even when we don't feel savable. And that's what John means in this passage. Is it any different when God himself was in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14 and he cries out, Abba, Father? And he says, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And the intimacy of that moment, I can only believe that Jesus heard the reassuring voice of his father because we're told by Luke that angels came and ministered to him. But there's more. Moms, you reflect God in how you know, how they know. How about this expression? Mom's got eyes in the back of her head. Have you not heard that one or thought your mother had eyes in the back of her head? Mom just looks at me and knows if I'm lying. Mom senses something is wrong. You see, that $50 theological term for for God in this instance is called omniscience. I don't know about you, but my mother just seemed to be able to look at me and know. She just knew. And not only did I know that most of the time, I wouldn't get away with lying to my mother. It killed me to lie to her. Because now I'd have to carry it, and that I would know somehow that she would feel badly when she found out, but she almost always found out, no matter how hard I tried to keep it from her. You see, a mother can see into the heart because she knows her child so well. And no matter how hard we try to keep something from mom, she can just sense intuitively into our situation and find us out. 
And this too comes from God. It reflects God. Listen to David in Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Notice this. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Have you ever not known that? When you'd go to mom and before you'd even ask, she'd say, I know what you want. And then she'd say, but this is what you need. Right? Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 6, he says, do not be like them. He was talking about those who pray and try to manipulate. He says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. See, moms, you reflect the knowledge of God when you mother your children. You teach them that you know them and yet love them and protect them. And how often have you heard me say, to be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known. Mom, you know your kids, but listen to me. God knows them so much better. God knows everything about us. And before we ask, if you read all of Psalm 139, it reminds you that you can't hide from God. You can't keep anything from God. He knows his children well. He knows us from the inside out. He looks into our hearts and sees the truth. And he knows what's in us. And yet, all of that knowledge, and he doesn't condemn us. You see, our hearts may condemn us, but God is greater than our hearts He's already forgiven us, just like our mothers do. You see, God has the resource to know it all and still forgive us for all our wrongs. That's why he's so beautiful. Mom, reflect him. God knows us in every way, every thought, every deed, every word, every motive. God knows your heart, your mind, and yet loves you. That's the amazing part of Romans 5.8. But God commended, that means showed, poured out, dedicated his love for us, even though we were sinners Christ still died for us. And one final quality. Moms reflect God in how they sacrifice. Mom, you reflect God in how you love. You reflect God in how you protect. You reflect God in how you know. But you reflect God in how you sacrifice. What does mom sacrifice for her children? Just think about it. She started, for starters, she sacrifices her body from things like stretch marks from giving birth, maybe scars from a C-section, dark circles under her eyes from sleepless nights, laugh wrinkles from all the smiles she gives. How often does a mom sacrifice her time, giving up pursuing her interests for the sake of her children? Just think and quantify all the diapers she changes, the loads of laundry, the vomit she's cleaned up, the meals prepared, the beds made. Even in sacrificing her mind, how often does a mom laugh at corny jokes, speak with that weird little kitty voice, and answer one million why questions? Moms, ladies, women who know science and math with the best of people can run companies and design buildings. Moms who can invent and write poetry and yet with great love and sacrifice teach a child how to tie a shoe or to wipe their own bum or pee straight in the toilet. Moms teach their kids to wash their hands and brush their teeth and then put the toilet seat down. Moms who get far more joy in a child's graduation than their own how giving up getting new clothes for themselves is given over to getting new clothes for their kids. 
And see, for me, that sounds very familiar to Philippians chapter 2. Where Paul tells us that Jesus didn't look upon his godness as something that he had to cling to. But he gave up his godness. He left his throne. He left heaven. And he took on him the form of a servant. And he gave it all because he loves us. And so moms, God understands birth. He understands the need to care and protect your child. He understands the need to love unconditionally. And he understands the challenges and setbacks and defeats and pains of motherhood. Why? Because God sacrificed more than any of us will. He gave his perfect son for our sin. And in so doing, he did the one thing that moms or anyone can do. As I said, we reflect God, but we can't be God. So let me review on Mother's Day. A mother is often said, remember that she has eyes in the back of her head, that she seems to know all things about her children. Remember, I asked you, where did that come from? It comes from God. God sees us anywhere and everywhere. We can't hide from Him. Oh, I wish that we could realize we can't lie to Him, and we don't have to. In fact, like so many moms, He's always there for us, promises He will never leave us nor forsake us. Moms, where do you think this comes from in your heart and life? Who do you think you're modeling or imitating when you live out these things? You see, what the world calls instinct or nature, the Bible tells us God put there. He created you women in his image. And when you mother, you are imitating the very image of God to your children. And what about how you as a mom care for a child? The sacrifice of worry. How about this? How many moms are jealous for their children? I think that we often in the church confuse jealousy and covetousness. Okay, jealousy is mine. This is mine. That's jealousy. Covetousness is, I want what you have. And that's why James says that God is a jealous God. Basically, God is saying, you're mine. I don't want to share you with the world. I don't want you to have other allegiances. You're mine. I love you. I protect you. I provide for you. I've died for you. So you're mine. How often does a mother say that about her children? Mine. Because you're hers. And you're imitating God. He created you in his image. When you mother, you're imitating the very image of God to your children, moms. Moms, I can also ask you one other thing. How do you feel when your child does something you know will hurt them? How do you feel when you know and they refuse to listen to you? Go to a playground and watch how when the kids are there and mom is hovering over them and loving them, and then what happens when that one kid makes a break for it? And they run away from you. When they look you right in the eye. Have you ever seen this at the mall or at an amusement park or someplace? And and a mom's trying to help her son or daughter and they look at you and go, no. Right? Have you experienced that? And, And some of you have seen this. I've seen this. When a child looks at their mom and goes, I hate you. And believe it or not, I don't think that's the most painful thing a child can say to his or her mother. I actually think the worst thing you can say to a mother is when they look at you sometimes in a fit of selfish rage and go, you don't love me. I can't imagine how that must hurt the heart of a mother. And if it breaks your hearts, mom, what do you think it does to the heart of God? When we look at him and go, no. When we look at him and accuse him of not loving us, But, mom, what does it feel like when you watch your child hold their head up for the first time? When they make that first smile at you, when they take that first step, 
when they tie their first shoe and dress themselves on their very own, that first day of school, those graduations. Remember all those competitions they entered, whether they were first or last? Did you not cheer them on, stand at the finish line yelling, you can do it, open arms, smiling? What did you feel when they graduated from high school or university, when they found a spouse? And yet, moms, did you not feel their pain if they failed a chest or failed a grade or failed a course? How did you feel when they came home devastated because they lost a friend or they'd gone through rejection or had been betrayed? Did you not try desperately to comfort them and tell them, it's going to be all right, and yet they looked at you like you don't know how it feels? Isn't being a mom more like a reflection of who God is and what God does than we think? And so as we leave today, I want to remind you that Moms, you might be able to reflect God in His omniscience. You might be able to reflect God in His omnipresence. That means He's everywhere. But there's only one quality that every man and woman in this room can't, and that's God's omnipotence, which means He's all-powerful. You see, every mom, and for that matter, every parent in this room, has felt the desperation of wanting to fix things for their child. You want to take their pain away. You want to turn back time. You want to right a wrong. And there's nothing like that phone call if you're a parent that when you get a call that because your, parent, your child was somewhere at, si- at school or something and you say, you hear those words, your child is sick or your child is in the hospital or your child is in an accident or that horrific time when you maybe have heard your child is not going to make it. How often have you wanted to rescue your child and felt, if only I was there, if only, if only, I think parents must say that more times than they'd ever admit, if only, because we're all confronted with our failure, sometimes our inability to help, we want to change them so badly, whatever it is, and moms and dads and friends, we've likely been on both sides of this equation, haven't we? Where you wanted to do more for someone, or where you wish someone could have done more for you. But listen to me now. God is there for you. God sent His Son to show you His love, to display all His all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful love. A love that not only never fails, but it's a love that can't be stopped. Death couldn't stop it. Our sin can't stop it. Satan can't stop it. They're all defeated by God's love. It's an eternal love. It's the love of choice, not emotion. God doesn't fall in love with you, so we will never fall out of love with you. God loves us. You don't have to be afraid of God. You never have to wonder if He cares or does He understand. And yes, bad things happen. It's a cursed world, and we've all experienced it both within ourselves and around us. God wasn't absent in those pains or trials. He's always there. He promises that this life does not get the final say. He'll always be there for us to cry out to, and He'll answer you, He'll protect you, He'll provide for you. See, Mom, listen, you reflect God, but always remember you only reflect Him, you can't be Him. Dad, you reflect God. Men, women in this room, we, we are called to reflect God but we are called to reflect Him as an act of worship. None of us can be God. God never lies. 
God never fails. God never leaves. God never dies. God never doesn't have to give. God never stops loving. God never gets sinfully or selfishly mad. God never makes a promise that he can't or won't keep. God is both willing and able. And this is why and how messages like this on this day, like this, are for everyone here. Because you know what? I've lied. I've failed. I've left. One day I'm going to die. There's times I haven't had to give. Sometimes my love has been conditional. Many times I've been sinfully and selfishly mad. I've made promises that I haven't kept. Oh, I've been willing lots in my life, but often I've not been able. And yet God is. And so moms, here's the question. Do you know the God whom you reflect? Do you know the God whom you reflect? Moms, do you find your value and your identity and your hope in God or in your motherhood or your kids? What's your life built around? Do you trust God with your life and the lives of your children? Hey, dads, are you honoring your wife in front of your kids? Husbands, do you care for and point your wife to God? Men, are you living a life that reflects God to those around you? Women, are you reflecting God to those who are around you? Hey, grandmothers, do your grandchildren see you reflecting God or trying to control them or be over-possessive of them as if life around them is under your control? Grandfathers, are you wise, patient, settled men, men of love towards God and all that God's love? And do your grandchildren and do your children just see that you are just content in your love of God? See, Ephesians 4 ends this way. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Notice, as God in Christ forgave you. And if you get that, then the challenge is, therefore be imitators, reflectors of God as beloved children. And by doing that, it says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God has filled his word for us to know him. Moms, the Bible is not about you, it's for you. Men, the Bible is not about you, it's for you. People, the Bible is not about you, it's for you. The Bible is about God loving us. God loves us more and is able to do more. God gives us our identity. God gives us our values. And so ladies, you were created by God and you need Jesus just as much as any man here. You've got to trust God, believe in him, look to Jesus who is your great example, your redeemer. That is, Jesus came to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, make us right with God. The hard part to admit is we naturally live for ourselves. We naturally look out for ourselves. We see it always from our position. We always assume the best about ourselves and the worst about everybody else. We try to protect ourselves. We naturally run away. We hide. We make excuses. We're defensive. Mom, does this sound familiar to some of your children? But unlike you, us, and us as parents, we can't take away our children's pain. Maybe we can manage it. Maybe we can help them cope with it. 
Maybe in some little areas of life we can overcome it, but we know all too well that we have both limitations and imperfections, but God doesn't. So moms, imagine what it's like for you to reflect God, but then not trust him. Mom, dads, grandparents, who of us wouldn't say to our kids, no matter what you've done, no matter what you failed at or succeeded, you can always come to me. You see, the greatest words, I think, maybe in the Bible, when Jesus spoke these words in Matthew 11, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think we often think of these words, and we think that they're about an invitation to get saved. But I just think about it as parents. I can't tell you how many times I've told all of my children over and over and repeatedly and repeatedly, just come to me. Just come to me. You don't have to fight this on your own. You don't have to walk through this on your own. You don't have to do this. Just come to me. I love you. You're never going to tell me that I, something I wouldn't love you through or help you through or pray with you through. How often then does God look at you and I and just say, would you come to me? Would you just come to me? And how often do we try to do it on our own instead of coming to him? So much of what we celebrate as the best in mothers is also a characteristic of God. Friends, mothers are not perfect. By the way, they can't be superhuman. However, God is. And he wants to give you this day his reaffirming love. And he wants you to hear his reassuring voice. He wants you to receive his life-giving, and he will readily provide everything you need for life and godliness through your faith in Jesus Christ. And as one man said, thus ends the lesson. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the way you have honored women, and thank you for giving the world mothers. Thank you for how they reflect you. And Lord, as we sing our last song, very fittingly a reminder to us of how great you are, I pray that every woman in this room would know that they are called to reflect you. Pray that every man in this room would know that they are called to reflect you. And I pray that if anyone here is hurting, discouraged, beat down, if anyone's afraid or angry, anyone's running, that they would know, come, Unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I pray that moms will know how much you value them. But Lord, I pray that everyone in this room will know how much you value all of us. Moms are not special as if they're better. Moms are special when they reflect you as we all are. So Lord, Paul once said, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And as we end this Mother's Day service and go into our day and into our week, may we remember that more than anything. Would we go into this world reflecting you, knowing that we can't be you? Speak, O Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.